Hey there, I'm Andrew Kuman, the host of Things I Said Out Loud, a podcast that celebrates words, and is an audio companion to my Substack newsletter, Things I Wrote Down. It's a place where I share original content, articles, and stories. These thoughts from my head and heart land right in your email inbox when you subscribe at andrewkuman.substack.com. Thanks for spending a portion of your day with me. I hope you leave this episode encouraged and inspired. Now, let's jump right into it. Hey there. On today's episode, I chat with my brother, Dan Kuman, the best-selling author of Breath of Life, and we talk about creativity, the creative process, consistency. We ask the question, is creativity just a lightning strike? And we laugh a little bit about rom-coms. I talk about my new book, Popcorn Helmet, and we look at some of our upcoming projects with Unveil TV. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also watch our full conversation on things I wrote down or over at Breath of Life, Daniel's Substack newsletter. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Well, Andrew, here we are. It's uh, pretty fun to get a chance to do a video and audio message to some of our followers and wanted to just chat about the new books we've been writing. We've both written and are releasing, actually yours is released, mine's releasing soon, a brand new book. It's interesting because they're both a little bit outside of our normal track of creativity. So maybe we could kick off by talking about your book. I've got it here for those that are watching on video. Popcorn Helmet by Andrew Kuhnman and some inspiring artwork by J.E. Surrett. This book is actually hilarious. Um, Rosie Thank and you. who are my kids love it. I do want to know, <clears throat> I don't even think I've actually heard this outside of this call. What was your inspiration for writing the kids book? Well, by the way, hey, Dan, I have to say, if you're watching, check out Dan's background. It's beautiful. And I have like podcast backdrop envy for sure. Um, loving it. But yeah, fun to be here with you. I, I love writing all types of stuff like I feel my motto in a way is like I'm writing because I'm breathing and um I kind of constantly have the question like who is my audience and I I don't always know but what I want to do is is like think about big ideas um pursue my interests and um I I love writing for all types of different audiences basically and what I've been blessed by throughout my independent writing careers that people have tracked with me and you you do find pockets of people who who like different things and so um often I kind of jump between writing something pretty serious or hard-hitting um, maybe something that crosses between fiction and reality you know maybe more like a issue type play or film you know like she is a name human trafficking we are the body political prisoners and behind the iron curtain those are you know heavier subject matters and so going to the light stuff um, is nice as well. I have young kids also. And, and honestly, it kind of came from every night I need a book to read to my kids. Um, there's some great ones out there that we return to, but every night is an opportunity for new content. And um, it's in looking for content that I, I want to read and want my kids to engage. I thought, why don't I write a book? And technology is such that it's easier than ever to create and to get content to an audience um, without spending a lot of money. And as an independent author, there's just like a cost associated not only with time and energy, but with getting it out into the world. And so in a lot of ways, this was a test to say, hey, can we um, can we use the technology available to us to make this ready for an audience easily? And it's been just a delight to see that people have loved it. And um, I'm actually working on a Christmas edition of a book 
with the same character, Ramsey P. Heaton, future billionaire. He has all these kind of ingenious ideas and he tests them. So the Christmas book that will be available, Lord willing, before um, probably in November or um, late October is um, is the same character. And he hatches an idea for like this spectacle um, Christmas production because he's like, you know, why, why have just a tiny little pageant? Uh, why not? Why don't we do something big, uh, drones and fireworks, that sort of thing? Um, but then he learns a really valuable lesson. So yeah, this was this is a, you know really way to connect with kids, do something new, um, and just went for it. Well, that new one sounds like a modern day Charlie Brown spinoff, kind of a hopefully some uh, yeah. <laughs> Christmas moments. Um, the thing that I find interesting is, and Christy, I think my wife feels the same way. Is sometimes. A few of the books, anyways, that we've read our kids, they're they're a little bit fewer and far between, but they have the most potent messages. <laughs> it's like, there's a couple that come to mind. One is um, I even shared it with my church. It was so good. Um, it, it's titled "The Crown on Your Head," and um, it's just this beautiful book about identity. Um, another one that comes to mind is um, oh, it was in my brain, and now I'm losing it. It could come back. The point being, sometimes these simple messages. Oh, the other one is called Rosie Revere Engineer, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of Popcorn Helmet in the sense that it's kind of cheeky and funny, but there's a, a built-in and significant message. And um, sometimes those potent, simple messages really get through. And I think um, I do have to mention that that is very similar in this book. Is like you're referring to, you know, Hannah Moore, Wilberforce, and these kind of fun ways, but it still brings attention to really important figures. And um, I love the page, the business case for those that can see this. I don't know if it's going to flip it or do this backwards, but you get a sense of some of the artwork. Um, but the future billionaire's business case is that popcorn makes life better. And we're definitely taking right. popcorn into the future. <laughs> I love I love that. Um, well, I should I should probably tell your audience too, like if they don't know what it's about, it is the basic premise is that um, this Ramsey's teacher asks the class to think of an idea that will change the world and really pushes them to think of like the abolition movement, all these types of people, right? You know, things like I'm passionate about as a adult, right? And then this kid's idea is like to make a helmet through which you can eat popcorn with no hands. And because he loves popcorn, popcorn's, popcorn's gonna be in the future. So it's it's cheeky, it's funny. It has some um, lessons in it. And it's a quick read that you can pull off at bedtime, um, have a laugh with your kid, but also have some meaning and, and open discussion. I know, I, I don't know if with your kids, my kids, it's like lots of questions about each page, which is really fun. And the art is genuinely inspiring in it. There's some really great artwork. Um, so you went from hardening dramas, of which I've also participated with you, and we've we've yeah. often joked that one day we'll write a comedy. Um, so now that you've done a kid's book, it, can we expect a romantic comedy? Come on. Well, this is bizarre that you would ask this question right now. Maybe you have some inside knowledge, but yes, I am currently working on my first ever romantic comedy. I'm so excited, <laughs> and it's a really fun premise. And um, it's starting with an image that I've had for years that involves the chicken dance song, pine pylons, and a music video. And it's really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much. Why limit yourself as a creative, right? There's, so, you know, it's important to have a niche. Um, I think, you know, at, for your audience that's listening that is creative and I think write what you're passionate about, write what you know, but don't be limited to what you know and um, I, I want to model that in my in my writing and kind of find the things that bring joy as I as I write. 
So is it safe to say you're neither romantic or comedic, and that's why you're venturing into the new territory of Romco? Well, yeah, I'm like multidisciplinary. Is that fair to say? Were you setting up a joke that I missed? <laughs> no, I was, I was saying uh, venturing into new territory. So if you if you want to be a romantic or funny, you've got to write a wrong song. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Um, redefine my um my image. I think um, that is such a actually important if if we wanted to take the message of you know a kids book can have a potent even if simple message that would maybe be the potent simple takeaway from this chat it, or at least one of them if there's more than one is that by venturing into new territory creativity thrives and that's something I've learned significantly by going and you know working to serve orphans in like a creative arts camp in Africa is that the very notion is just presenting something they've never done before or that they haven't done often, in their case, never before, but like, you know, a, a camera that they can actually take their own picture with and frame up a picture and see their friend or themselves in the frame. That moment of creativity is actually quite a breakthrough because they're venturing into a brand new territory and they do not leave the same, even if it's in a subtle way, they change in the sense that they go, I've just seen something brand new. I just saw myself in a picture for the first time. Um, you know, I, I love when we let them take a picture with an actual Polaroid and they walk away with a physical picture. And it's like, they're just lined up against the school um, wall, laughing and, and sharing with one another about this image that they've seen. And I think that that is essentially what stories do, right? You see through someone else's lens, something subtly different than the way you see it. And it stirs something in you. It, it awakens creativity. And maybe there will be kids that are 8, 10, 12, 25, 50 years old that read your book and they go yeah. invent something, create something, write something. Um, I, is that something that you've seen in your creative process as you have created that it has sort of affected others in a similar way? I think that's part of the reason to keep doing it is that I've been amazed and humbled when people, when there's the opportunity for an audience to engage with the content you create, you know, for us, we've been fortunate. It's been through film, it's been through stage plays, it's been through books and to hear how ideas or the way that you've structured ideas and presented them through embodied characters, whether that's on a flat page or three-dimensionally on the stage or on the screen, and where something resonates with an individual that opens up an idea or causes them to think in a new way, or even in the act itself that inspires them to say, hey, like, if this schmuck can do it, maybe I can too, right? Like that, that's the sort of thing that's so wonderful about creativity. And I, you know, I, I think it's important to know, and I'd love to turn the lens on you a little bit, because it's that act of setting out to just say, I'm going to create something, which is kind of terrifying, right? Like I've just verbally committed to like having this next book out by end of October in time for Christmas when books sell, blah, blah, blah. I still have to complete the work, but if I don't say it and don't hold myself to do it, I won't do it. And I think a, a revelation I've had about creativity is that it is about limitations and then throwing off the limitations or putting yourself in a corner and finding a way to get out of it. Right. So it's like, it's, in some ways terrifying to be like, I'm writing a romantic comedy and I've got a deadline or I'm writing a second kid's book. I've got a deadline. And I know that both of us recently with Substack, which for me has just opened up my creative world again in a beautiful way. I love the platform and I'd love to hear your input. Like you set a Monday morning deadline to put out your content and it's inspiring. It touches me. I read it every week. Uh, 
And yet that's like a real limitation, but through it, you've had, I've seen as your brother, as your colleague, as your friend, just this flourishing of creativity. Like you have another book coming out. What, like, how does that nature of creativity, like the limitations, how does, how has it impacted you? How is committing to like a weekly output? How has that impacted your creativity? I'd love to know. That's a really good point because, um, and essentially the second book I wrote is because I have a Substack newsletter <laughs> because I yeah. committed in the same way that you did for your next part of this series about, you know, the kids series, I committed to my audience that I was going to release brand new chapters of a brand new book and start to weekly release that content. And they would be the first to see it because they've been a faithful reading audience. They would get a chance to see it first, give feedback, make comments, email me, that kind of thing. And by making that commitment, I had to hold myself to it. Cause like you said, you, you've just put your word out that you're going to do it. I felt guilty when I missed one Monday post out of a whole year because right. I, I do know that people check that out on Monday mornings and they want to they want to be either encouraged or inspired. And the very cool reciprocal thing in doing that, in doing that creative work of leaning in and finding the time throughout the week or, you know, worst case scenario, Sunday at midnight, finishing up a post is that you are engaging with creativity, but also with God. And that's been very inspiring over the last year as I'm just about a few weeks over a year into doing it, is that you are sort of forcing creativity to a degree because you have to put something, but I don't want to just put something up for the sake of putting something up. I want to be able to even look back on it in a few months. Maybe it'll inspire me, you know? So I want to put the time and the effort and so that that essentially has created an overflow of another book is created. And the thing about this one is because of that sort of leaning in, it's almost like reminds me a little bit of like Daniel praying at the window three times a day towards Jerusalem. It's like, you'd be like, that sounds like drudgery if you just read it on the page, right? Like, ah, oh, it's like, you know, oh, the call to prayer again kind of thing. He's, he's doing it again. Is this just merely duty? but then you get met by the spirit of God, right? And, um, and that's, yeah. the, that's the secret sauce in my life has been as I then go to, to do that because it's very Bible-based and study-based, I open it up and I get inspired and I get something exciting to share. And that is just as much for me as it is for anybody reading it, you know? And I think that mm -hmm. that's, that's essentially the, that's the mystery of creativity is that it comes from somewhere. And yeah. there's a flow that you, you, if anyone is watching or listening and knows that they've created something, they would agree probably with what I'm about to say is that, you know, a part of it didn't merely come from you. There's, there's, you know, it, it might not be like, wow, that's like angels in heaven, like good, but there's moments where you are at least personally incited by creativity. And it's like, where did that come from? Well, it, it comes from a source. I believe it comes from God. And so it's a very, very cool discipline if you can take the time to do something like that, to do something weekly or to make sure you find the time to create because, you know, the mystery of God meets you in that. Hmm. That's powerful. And so many people talk about their, like, I am I want to do this, but they just talk about wanting to do it and don't do it. So I usually, I typically ask like, so what are you doing? And like, you can gauge pretty quickly if people are practicing their creativity, right? Based on their, their output or their discipline or their schedule. Um, so I'm curious because I, I recently wrote a post about how some people treat creativity, like some people treat love, that it's like this thing that's undefined that hits you and you know it when you know it, and it's a feeling and you can jump in and out of it. And based on that feeling, you do it or you don't do it. 
Um, and but you've talked about like discipline, like this regular coming together. So like, is it always like sunshine and roses and lightning strikes and like the spirit of God inhabiting you and jazzing you up? Or like, what's your actual process look like? Definitely not always that, but I will admit for um, this private audience that um, there are times where that does happen, where I'm literally where God like meets me in my heart. And it could be he could be revealing something I never saw before or showing it to me in a new way or giving me words for something that I know I know in my heart. Um, and that's an interesting thing about words, actually, whether spoken or written, is that they they have substance, you know, they they are substance. They're, they're not merely a thought. They're actually like out there released as something. And so it's it's maybe just that in itself creatively. If, if people are exploring writing or exploring creativity, it's like, you're giving legs to something that wouldn't otherwise be able to have motion, you know, like it's a really interesting process that way. And then it is rewarding, at least in the sense that you're like, okay, I've, I've achieved my goal. And that's merely one of my weekly creative goals, <laughs> but yeah. I've achieved that creative goal. I'm making progress. And then I'll have people that I know also read it regularly. Like, man, I can't believe you do this every week, you know? And there's kind of that sense of like, it seems like you're putting a lot out and, the truth is it takes effort and energy, but it doesn't take, you know, five days a week to do that. Right. So I think sure. people can be encouraged to, you find something where you're willing to invest in it and you, you want to like stick with it for a period of time and, and see how much traction it can get. Not, not just for yourself, but if other people are encouraged or inspired by it, then it's really, really valuable and worth it, you know? Yeah. Okay. So my qu next question for you is why this book, and you frozen. Okay, you're you're back. And I, you have to forgive me. We just moved, and everything's in boxes. And you gave me an advanced copy of the book that I'm reading through, and I've been following you weekly on Substack. So I have. I was gonna hold up a copy, but I frantically searched and could not find. So yeah, um, I, I know the cover is on your Substack. So we'll share an image. Sure. Sons of the Father. So tell me why this book and why now. Yeah, it's really interesting. I know um, for many the the um conversation about you know fathers is is many tiered and many layered because many fathers have not upheld essentially the biblical model of fatherhood that so many of us long for in fact every living soul longs for that biblical father and i'm talking about earthly fathers but this book is also about the heavenly father and so sons of the father is a call to every son and daughter that exists on the earth to encounter but also to live in the embodiment of sonship and sonship is just is defined as the right relationship to the father and so that has implications in, on the earth but it's also very much a picture of the heavenly father who is good and who is perfect and um, his invitation to us is that we would live as his sons and daughters and I've been unpacking that a lot in my weekly posts and it's also the theme of the book is what is sonship and how does it apply to us as children of God? And it's actually mind-blowing how sonship is the ultimate theme of the entire Bible. And just to give a few quick insights and examples of that, the very first moment where God said this is very good was after he made a son and a daughter in the Garden of Eden. Everything up until that point in creation was good. But when he saw Adam and Eve, he said this is very good. 
and his delight was in them and he called them his beloved children and essentially wanted to walk with Adam as his son and Eve as his daughter and that was still his plan even after they rebelled in the garden was that he wanted them to be sons and daughters and that's essentially the story of Israel as they become a nation is that he makes Abraham his son and he calls Israel his son and he walks with the people until they need and well they actually ask for a king and he tries to make the king his son and then David becomes his son and then he promises that the son of David will eventually reign forever with a kingdom that will never end and that the son of God the son of the father Jesus would come and would redeem humanity and then when Jesus comes he tells his disciples that they can become sons and the message of the new testament through paul the apostle and john and all these other writers is that we are children of god if we look to the son and the son is jesus christ and so it's it's this amazing theme that runs all through but it, it's packed with deep deep layers and um exploring those layers was pretty incredible and insightful for me because as we as brothers shared the loss of our father on earth the prayer that I had in my heart for the first year after he passed, which is coming up on two years ago, was father, like heavenly father, father me. That was the prayer that was on my heart. And it's really intriguing how he began to unpack biblical truths about sonship in the answer to that prayer. And so in, in many ways, I feel like Sons of the Father as a book is the answer to my prayer for the father in heaven to replace my gaping hole of not having my earthly father and uh, so it's been a that's been packed with lots of layers of of just hope and truth and I genuinely believe that it's a book everyone needs to read I'm sure every author ever says that but I genuinely believe that because of the powerful truths that are applicable to every son and daughter that reads it um, I I literally and and this it would be rare for a creator but I read back the chapters like to myself or with my wife and it's like I'm getting rocked by the goodness of God because mm. it's like the truths that are in there are so potent and so true. Oh, sweet. Well, what a critical message. I think just, you know, if in a world where it's like the patriarchy is so hated and for good reason um, and there's just such um just so much work to be done that you know there's like the father of lies but you're focusing on the father of light and just that i think people so often get confused with um, which patriarchy we're talking about and i think that unpacking what sonship is what it is to be a daughter is i know as i've read your Substack um, and follow the process of this book being created yeah there's just some deep penetrating important truths um so whether you've had a good father or not whether your father's alive or not whether you're a father or a mother and trying to bring kids into the world in a way that um, sets them up well for the future that this is going to just be uh, such a great read for anyone listening i'm um, so really excited for you bro um what's one of the main things that you hope to impart or pass along to your kids when you think about being a father i was I, as i was thinking about connecting with you today well, i was interested to hear what what your answer would be mm -hmm. that's a great question um, let me think about that for five seconds. I just kind of dropped that right on you. As you're thinking, I should say my book also, like as a creative, I can say that <laughs> you, everyone needs this book. If you're going to get a book, if you're going to buy one book this year by Dan's, if you're going to buy two, buy mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
I think um, if I were to take, you know, and Dan in real life, he says somebody's not been reading his own uh, column when he has his right. own. Shows. That's such a great movie. If you're gonna watch one, yeah, it's favorite. I love it. Um, but no, the the thing that in terms of pulling from the truth that was revealed through the process of this book is it's kind of three-parted, but it, it, it is looking to the baptism of Jesus as the model for fatherhood because mm -hmm. it's actually so profound. And if, if I could just lock away that moment of when heaven literally opened and the father who the mystery of the Jewish people is that God clothed himself. Surely he is a God who hides himself was the word of David, the psalmist. And when Moses went to encounter him, God even said, hide yourself because you can't see me. The invisibility of God is a preeminent quality of the father, which yeah. is so mysterious if you think about it, because everything that happens on earth is in the context of like the family unit, right? But there's this incredible faith builder in just the notion that he won't show himself yet to us. And yet we absolutely know his heart and his character and his love. And so when Jesus, the son was baptized, which that scene in itself is just mind blowing, but heaven opened and God revealed who he was. And he revealed himself as a loving father, the mm -hmm. heavens parted, And he said, this is my beloved son. And so if I were to impart one thing to my kids, it would be that they would know in the way that Jesus knew from his father, that they would know that I beloved them, that they would, they would go like, oh, if anything happens, traumatic, good, bad, or otherwise, it's like, I can always look to my father because he beloves me. You know, it's like, I'm the beloved son of my father. That, so that level of knowledge of the true nature of love, where it's like, I would move heaven and earth to show my love for my children. Like that, that is essentially the point one. And then from that, he follows it up and says, I'm pleased. I'm well pleased in him. So for the kids to then know, my kids to know, like, not only does he love us, but like, he's pleased with us. Because when you know that you're okay, that's, that's essentially the erosion yeah. of shame and guilt, right? If you go, wow, like you're pleased with me, then I have no shame, no guilt, no fear, because you're absolutely pleased with me. Therefore, I don't have to rebel. I don't have to go in, into the world and do a bunch of stuff because like my father's pleased with me. That's incredible how that actually is like an antidote to sin. <laughs> and so yeah. I think um, for, for me, it's like if my kids knew that I truly, truly love them and that I'm pleased with them, that would be like the ultimate. Mm, that's so sweet. And they can have confidence and courage to lean into the world then with that level of trust and knowledge. I love that. I, when you spoke, we can maybe take this offline, but that hit the treasure hidden is so fascinated and then that there's that scripture that we're hidden in with christ in god like there's just this perpetual hiddenness findingness seeking it's it's just this interesting circular beautiful but it's almost like a self-energizing momentum that's created through it, that dynamic that i don't me, fully understand it gives me goosebumps as you say it because and maybe this will be a future newsletter because like that's the other thing I've been looking at as well is the mystery of all this hidden stuff. And it's like, he says, go pray in secret and I'll reward you. You know, it's like, there's all of these secret things with God and he's like, he sees what's done in secret and then he rewards it. You know, there's this notion that also the enemy tries to counterfeit that and sin happens in secret. 
And so it's like this incredible thing where it's like, there's this fight for the secret place. Right. Um, I think that that is, is a true beauty of the kingdom is that he's not just putting it always on display. And that's why it says like, when the books are open in heaven, well, heaven can't hold them. All the things Jesus has done, they won't fit in the universe. You know, it's like, he's just done it all and it, it surpasses what can be recorded. So I think that there's a beautiful mystery in all that. That's so sweet. Well, I mean, we could talk for hours. Maybe we'll have to do this again. I've enjoyed sitting <laughs> with you for a little bit this afternoon. I hope the people listening are wonderful followers, both on things I wrote down, which is my Substack newsletter and Breath of Life, Dan's Substack newsletter. Hope that uh, you've enjoyed this conversation. And we, um, yeah, drop us a comment if there's something that struck you. Uh, drop us a question if there's um, something you'd like to ask. And if there's like a further conversation you'd like us, other places you'd like us to go, we'd love to hear that. Uh, Dan, where can people get your important book? Yeah, it's available on, like, you can follow the links on my Substack, but also find it directly on Amazon in pretty much all the Amazon marketplaces as either an ebook or a printed. Thanks for tuning into Things I Said Aloud. If you haven't yet, make sure you jump over to my Substack page and subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to andrewkuman.substack.com. That way you'll get original content and encouragement delivered right to your inbox. I like to write on themes of creativity, faith, and how those things collide in the real world. You can also just search for the newsletter on Substack. It's called Things I Wrote Down. While you're there, make sure you also visit Unveil's newsletter, where you can geek out with my brothers Matthew and Daniel Kuman and I as we share our filmmaking journey and our new adventure as we grow our streaming service, Unveil TV. That's unveil.substack.com. You can always find the links in my show notes. Thanks again. I'm so grateful that you shared part of your day with me. I hope you leave this episode with some inspiration and encouragement. And that you can go find some time today to get lost in words.